Welcome to Conservation Unfiltered, presented by Conserve the Wild, your destination for an unfiltered look at conservation. Now, let's get wild. Let's take a quick break to talk about one of our partners, SOS Gear. SOS Gear is based in Montana and run by Chelsea, and she makes some great products out of paracord. Right now I'm holding a belt Chelsea made me just a couple weeks ago. This belt is absolutely gorgeous. I went with the black and black camo, but that's not even the best part. My father's been wearing the same style belt for a year, and it looks brand new. Other people I've talked to have worn their belts without any rips or frays for two, three, and even five years. There's a wide range of colors you can pick from, so you can make your own statement. Check out some of her products she's made over at her Instagram, SOSGearMT or her Twitter, at SOSGearMT. You can order a belt of your own at SOSGearMT.com. That's SOSGearMT.com. Welcome back to the Conservation Unfiltered podcast. This is episode 8, and we have a pretty uh, interesting and special guest on with us today. It's Brian Kaiser state wildlife investigator for the Ohio Division of Wildlife and this was definitely a very fun conversation for Talon and I Uh, you know as like a lot of people out there really the only interactions that we have with any kind of game wardens or or anyone uh, that works in that sort of industry uh, typically isn't always a great interaction uh, even if you know you're just hunting and they're just checking license you know that's still interrupting your hunting so uh, even though uh, Brian isn't an, exactly a game warden, uh, you know, he's a, a wildlife investigator, a little bit different job description, uh, but still just to be able to talk to him and, and get a couple stories out of him, uh, get to see sort of his opinion on how the public uh, sees him, what his daily life is like, uh, it, it was a pretty cool conversation. Uh, we definitely want to have him on again to, to tell some stories uh, that he's allowed to tell us. Uh, but it was definitely something that was eye-opening to us a little bit. And uh, even though you know he's in Ohio, that's only one state away, it's really only a couple hours away from, from where we're based, uh, for where he works out of, outside of Cleveland. Uh, so it was definitely interesting. And the one big thing that really sort of struck a chord with both Talon and I is uh, just how different state agencies are between the different states. Uh, so uh, without further ado take a listen yourself and you know maybe make a new friend with Brian all right and with us on the line today is Brian Kaiser he's a state wildlife investigator for the Ohio Division of Wildlife uh hi Brian how you doing today doing good glad to be here good uh can you just give us a a quick little uh sort of description of what a state state wildlife investigator is? Uh, well, basically a, a game warden. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. We have, have an exact equivalent in Pennsylvania. Um, in, a, in a police department, I would be like a detective. Uh, so we, you know, we have uniformed officers assigned, you know, as our, our typical field officers that most people might run into. But um, we also have plainclothes investigators uh, like me that uh, we handle uh, some of the more long-term investigations and, and specialized 
uh, specialized investigations and things like that. that that's very interesting. Uh, so can you just give us a little background of your outdoor life, like how you, you know, some things you've done in the outdoors that sort of got you to this point? Um, I, I grew up in Western Pennsylvania, um, hunting, trapping, fishing. Um, you know, I, Roy Manier that you've had on, I grew up just, just down the road from him and spent a lot of time with him, um, hunting and fishing. Um, and my dad, grandfather, both trapped a lot. Um, so I, I did a lot of, a lot of things on the trapping end. Um, you know, grew, we grew up in the mountains. It's just, uh, just what we did. Um, and I ended up going to, going to college, getting a degree in biology and, um, actually spent some time, uh, as a deputy, uh, wildlife conservation officer in Pennsylvania for a little while before I got hired on in Ohio. So what, what decision, what was the contributing sort of decision? How'd you decide that you wanted to get into working for a state and, and being a, a state wildlife investigator? Um, you know, something growing up, my, my grandfather was actually a, a, a deputy in Pennsylvania also. Actually, he, he retired as a deputy with 32 years so so growing up i i was kind of around that i i kind of had an idea of what they did somewhat um you know back then things were different than i'm sure they are today i remember you know i was you know seven or eight years old and and i would go out with him on you know roadkill deer and and things like that and handling nuisance animals and and that kind of thing um so i i knew some about it anyway um it's just something i always always had an interest in and uh you know thought i'd, I'd tried to get hired and and eventually did so so with your job do you get a lot of time to, to get out and hunt or does your job sort of cut into uh the hunting seasons that you have uh, well it i mean by by its very nature it, it cuts into that some uh, you know sometimes it, it actually works out better um you know opening days weekends things like that are pretty tough you know we're you know, hunting seasons especially we're, we're working that time of the year um but you know we we get enough I, I bow hunt a lot our bow hunting our bow season in ohio is very long um so i get a lot of time you, you know typically we're working a lot of weekends holidays and things but i'm off weekdays uh, when there's actually not as many people out so uh, sometimes it ends up being actually working out a little bit better yeah the, i would uh be very happy to be able to go out and hunt during the week that's with our jobs as teachers we get the weekends yeah and there's a ton of people out there so it'd be nice to be able to go out there and during have, the week. have the woods to yourself yeah this sort of <laughs> yeah. grass is always greener on the other side yeah. type deal i guess yeah it's it makes it tough with you know my my kids are getting a little bit older now um but you know when they were smaller to take them out get them started sometimes that was a little bit challenging you know during you know on weekends when they were off and i had to work to get them out but um we still have enough flexibility with the job that 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 we can we can work around that most of the time. So, what would your favorite hunting season be? Let's let's sort of keep on that topic of hunting. Uh, when do you really enjoy being out in the woods? Uh, I, I like to bow hunt a lot. Um, you know, the earlier part of the bow season through through the rut, maybe. Um, I actually I like to small game, game hunt a lot too. I, I love to squirrel hunt. And, and we've got a, a really long season for that, that too. I don't uh, probably don't take advantage of it as much as I should, but uh, but I, I really enjoy that also. Hearing hearing people say that uh, they like to squirrel hunts, not uh, something that's very common these days. A lot of people are just going after those, you know, the deer and the turkey. 
uh, you know, the big game species. So that's that's interesting for me uh, to hear someone say that I love to squirrel hunt. You know, we don't get that yeah. a whole lot around our area. A little refreshing, too. Yeah, and that's pretty typical everywhere. I mean, it. I don't run into a whole lot of other squirrel hunters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that doesn't surprise me. Uh, so what is uh, – you're out there. You're talking to the public. Uh, Town and I would be – the public uh, and representation here. So I want to, we want to know what you feel the public perception is of game wardens and, and the people in that part of the hunting culture. Um, you know, overall, I think it's, it's very positive. I mean, like anything else, there's, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's bad actors and, and people that, you know, may or may not, um, you know, respect us or whatever but i mean for the for the most part um you know people most hunters understand what we have a job to do and and why we're there um i i think uh so overall i think uh, we're we're pretty well received by the public seem to be anyway uh have you uh, watched any of the new uh shows on tv about game wardens like uh the, i think it's northwoods law and lone star mm-hmm. law have you watched any of the episodes yeah, I've I've watched those quite a bit actually. Um, I know there's there's a there's one there's there's several different shows there. Um, but yeah, they're they're inter- interesting. They they show a lot of different aspects of the job, and and there's and and, and a lot of that varies state to state too. I'm sure um, you know that there, there's a lot of common common things we deal with. But um, you know the way they work in Montana is going to be quite a bit different than Ohio or Pennsylvania for sure. Yeah. Do you think that they're like they're fairly uh, accurate portrayals of the job? Uh, at times, um, you, you're not seeing the the back end, the paperwork end, and you know the administrative things that that bog us down like like in any other job. Um, and and a lot of that is compressed to it. Sometimes they make it appear that there's there's a whole lot more going on in those officers' day. Than, than there might be at times too. Right. So, would you be interested in being on a show like that? Uh, it would be interesting. I I think. Um, you know, I. You know, on on our end, you know, they pretty they typically have their their uniformed officers working on those shows. Um, and I'm I'm an investigator. I'm in I'm plain clothes most of the time. Um. You know, I, I think it would be interesting for sure um, I, to just to see, you know, how much the having that camera there and 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 all that that other interaction changes uh, changes contacts in the field with people, for sure. Uh, would you feel that, or do you feel that since shows it's probably been about four or five years now that some of those shows have been on, maybe more at least. That's that's what yeah. I've done. Um, do you feel like the public perception of game wardens has changed at all since those shows have been on TV? Um, as far as the, the hunting fishing public, um, I don't know that it's changed a whole lot. Um, it it might give people a little bit better idea of, of of what we do. Um, I, I think it has changed the non-hunting public. Um, I, I think it's changed their opinion or perception probably more than, than the hunters, because there's a lot of people, uh, probably most people, if, if people that don't hunt or fish don't necessarily understand um, what, 
what exactly it is we do. You know, I've gotten, you know, I, I've gone to, to places and, and have to explain, you know, what agency I'm from and, and what I do and who I'm with, um, you know, in the, or, you know, they see our uniform and the first thing people ask is, well, what park do you work in? You know, so they, they don't, they don't understand, but I, but I do, we do seem to run into more people um, that comment, especially non-hunters that, um, that watch those shows and, and it gives them some, some better idea of, of what we do. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure there's some people out there that, uh, probably don't even know that game wardens exist. Uh, oh, you know, absolutely. let alone what they do, uh, on a daily basis. So, um, yeah, I could, I could see that, you know, I know that, uh, watching those shows, uh, in my house, uh, with my wife, who's a non-hunter. I mean, uh, I'm literally the first hunter that she's actively known. Uh, and watching those shows has opened her eyes to a lot of the kind of things that, that go on in the woods. Sure. Yeah, and especially, you know, I, I started out um, in a, I, I started out in a more suburban area when I first come out of the training school. Um, so I, you know, run into a lot more people like that, that, that don't have any experience with hunting or, 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 or no, even know anybody that hunts. So with your job, uh, what is maybe the strangest thing that you've encountered uh, while you've been out there that, that you can recount for us? Um, well, uh, there's been a lot of a lot of things. Yes, um, strange as far as 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 j just a, unique. I, I the first thing that comes to mind is I a few years ago, and I I work in Northeast Ohio, not real far from Cleveland. So and and we're structured a little bit different than Pennsylvania because we're you know we do fish and game enforcement both. Um, I know one summer evening a few years ago, I had a, a brand new officer with me. Uh, working in plain clothes along Lake Erie on the break wall. And there was a lady and a small boy walking down the break wall. And the boy was carrying a box. And he tripped and almost fell. And and she looked at the boy and, and she said, hey, be careful. Don't, dr don't drop my brother. And <laughs> the, the new officer looked at me and and he said, did she just say that? I said, yeah. And he said, she, that's not a box of ashes, is it? I said, yeah, it probably is. And <laughs> at the same time, he realized that we were directly downwind from right where they were about to scatter these ashes of her brother. Uh, so he, he tried to make a quick exit. I don't know that we kind of, if we made it completely out of the plume or not, but um, she, she didn't check the wind direction before she came out to do that. Uh, that would um that that one sticks out in my mind that and and i i was uh about three or four weeks out of the training school brand new and, and i had a call for a roadkill armadillo this is northeast ohio there shouldn't be any any armadillos within a thousand miles or more of here and uh and my first thought was somebody was screwing with the new guy or whatever and i get, get there and sure enough there wasn't a roadkill armadillo, so you just never know. Wow. We have a pet gone rogue. Yeah, yeah. And that was in March. So, you know, how a roadkill, how, how about armadillo? And there was a report of another one that supposedly was at a bird feeder in the same area, but we never, never found it. 
Well, I'm sure you have some some pretty amazing stories like any of us that work with people on a daily basis. Like yeah. oh. Jason and I both teach. And I don't know if and, uh, yeah. we could kind of do the same thing, go on, on and on about interesting stories that we see every day. <laughs> um, but kind of in that same line, like, do you have any advice to people? I know you're more on the investigative side of it now. So maybe you're not interacting with uh, people so much on, on a daily basis, like uh, checking hunting licenses and, and for yeah, individual we- game laws. But is there any advice that you would have for people uh, when they're encountering uh, game wardens in the field or you as an investigator to make sure things go smoothly? Um, just, you know, most people we don't have, we have very few issues with. I mean, um, you know, have have everything you need with you, you know, tags, licenses, things like that. That always makes things uh, go a lot, a lot smoother, um, you know. You know, as far as, but it seems, you know, most people are, are, are not really an issue. Um, they understand, you know, we're there. Most of the time people are, are happy to see us, um, you know, and they give us information and, and things like that too. So, you know, I've been, you know, I, I've been able to, to talk to people and, and, you know, find some issues. I've, I've written people tickets and still gotten a handshake at the end of the transaction. So that, yeah. you know. Yeah, see, kind of like, uh, kind of like in our line of work, the negatives get sensationalized, as opposed to the countless positive. Yeah, absolutely. You have with people on a daily basis. Yeah, we, you know, we we contact thousands of people, and and you know the the few that complain is generally they're complaining because they were doing something they shouldn't have been doing and got caught, and that's what the real root of the complaint generally is. To sort of turn, I know this isn't necessarily your forte, but uh, to turn a little bit towards policy, uh, probably almost 20 years ago now, uh, Pennsylvania switched over and decided to instill some <clears throat> point restrictions. Uh, and I know that Ohio does not. So who it, who's right? I mean, it, you know, animal point restrictions aren't nationwide. Um, so, you know, should more right. states do you feel more states should have antler point restrictions or do you think that it's just a, a nonsense well i i don't know that there's right or wrong um it's a different management policy um i know there's several states that have things like that um you know and it it probably depends you know between the deer herds and and you know what exactly they're trying to accomplish um you know it seems to be a little bit of a, a a hot topic in Pennsylvania. Um, you know, I don't know that one one is is better than the other. Um, you know, deer herd dynamics, hunter numbers, things like that in Ohio are a little a little bit different than Pennsylvania. And and I and I still hunt in Pennsylvania. Most of my family still lives there. I, I go back there with the kids. So so I'm I, I'm I I should say pretty aware of of what's going on over there too. Um, but you know, I don't know that there's you know, good or bad. I, I suppose it's one of those things I, I could take or leave it. Um, it, it has seemed to have uh, to help with the, you know, the buck to doe ratios and things like that over there, for sure. 
Tal and I were just talking right before we got you on the line about how uh, with Pennsylvania, we had a bunch of real small, young scrub bucks, mm-hmm. uh, and then they instilled the antler point restrictions, and now we're getting some very nice bucks walking around oh, our woods. Yeah. Uh, but Ohio has always seemed to have really nice bucks uh, without the antler point restrictions. So, right, you know, what would you attribute to that? Well, I think I think some of it, a lot of it, um, is is hunter numbers. Um, I mean, I remember growing up in Pennsylvania, there was you know over a million hunters there, um, and I think Pennsylvania still probably around seven or eight hundred thousand. I think. Yeah, that sounds um, right. Um, something like that. Uh, in Ohio, we're probably four or five hundred thousand. Um, so we, we've got less people in the woods. There's less of a chance that those bucks, those small bucks, are going to be killed. Um, that's that's part of it. Uh, you know, some of it is the the hunting implements used. You know, in Ohio, we don't allow most. You know, any kind of well now rifles are allowed, but only straight wall cartridges. So you know, ranges and th- things like that um, are a lot shorter where people can kill deer. Um, and I, I think some of, a lot of it is is hunter attitudes also. Uh, you know, something that I've, I remember growing up, everybody, you know, we had, you know, a separate buck season and everything. And people seem to, you know, if you got, if you saw antlers on a deer, you tried to kill it because that was a buck. Um in Ohio, there seems to be a lot more sentiment of, you know, people seem to kind of wait for a big, if they see a small buck, they may wait for a bigger one. We see, I, I notice a lot more of that here. And I, but I think some of that, some of that is probably changing in Pennsylvania too, since, since the antler restrictions took place and, uh, and people are, are, are starting to see some results from that probably too. In Pennsylvania, we've seen a huge increase of archery hires that go out. Um, are you seeing the same thing in Ohio? Um, I don't know if we're seeing an, an increase, uh, but just because our season's different, uh, you know, our, our season's four months long here. Um, oh, wow. So yeah, yeah. Our season comes in about, about when yours does at the end of September, it doesn't go out to the first, I think it's the first Sunday in February. It's like two um, weeks. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you can hunt, that's the whole entire way through. So I, I know our, our archery harvest um, seems it, it's been creeping up um, every year. The percentage of our total harvest that comes from, from that archery season is, is going. All right, we're seeing a lot more people shifting to, uh, to bow season. And, and it's noticeable even on the work end for, for me. I know in, during our gun season, our gun season is only a week long, uh, but I know we – over the last you know, 20 years that I've been doing this, um, we seem to find less and less people during the gun season, um, but uh, they seem to be killing deer earlier in, in bow season and kind of sitting out during the gun season somewhat. So you, Ohio also has Sunday hunting, and that's been a huge topic yeah. for the last probably 20 years in Pennsylvania, yeah. but it's really starting to heat up now. Uh, right. So, I, I've been, I followed some of that. Yeah. So one of the big sort of opponents to Sunday hunting in Pennsylvania is people that want to be outside, 
on a Sunday and not have to worry about hunters. Uh, they're, they're citing safety issues and things like that. Do you see uh, Sunday hunting as a, as a detriment towards those people that are in Ohio trying to hike or walk their dog or anything like that? Or have they seemed to sort of just get along with it as a normal every other day? We, we have absolutely no issues with it. Um, no different than any other day. Um, you know, we don't see any, there's no more, there's no higher incidence of, you know, accidental shootings or trespassing issues or anything like that. Um, in fact, we, we see, I know at least with the, with the trespassing issues, we, we, we see less of it on Sundays than, than Saturdays. Hmm. It's no different than any other day of the week at all. No. Besides this Pennsylvania boy going over to Ohio and sitting in a tree stand on a set on a Sunday feeling like I was doing something wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's it's different. When I first moved here, I felt a little little guilty. Yeah, I did. I, yeah. I felt so I felt so awkward. Like I'm like, I'm not yeah. supposed to be doing this right now. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's it's not it it's not an issue. And and when I first came here uh, about 20 years ago. Sunday hunting was still relatively new here. Um, we actually had, for, for a few years, we had, you could only hunt on Sunday on public land. Uh, if to hunt on private property, it had to be signed up in a Sunday hunting program with certain acreage restrictions and, and things like that. Uh, because of the same, I guess, the same kind of concerns. I know there was uh, like the, some landowners, Farm Bureau, um, they had trespassing concerns. And things like that. And we had to track a lot of those statistics for about five years. Um, and it, it didn't show any issues at all. Yeah, I am a, a dissenting member of the Pennsylvania Farm Bureau uh, mm -hmm. when it comes to the Sunday hunting issue. Uh, because I'm also a hunter. And uh, especially on you know property that, that my family owns, uh, I don't see why I can't, why I shouldn't be able to hunt on my family's property on, on a Sunday, right. which includes some farms. So, uh, you know, that's, you know, my personal take, uh, especially since, you know, both Talon and I work in five days a week. It, it'd be nice to get that extra day on a weekend that you don't have to take off work uh, to or get out it, into the or woods. Or it's a washout. Or we, we've had that last couple of years where a lot of Saturdays have been full rain and Sundays oh, yeah. have been very nice. Yeah. So it would be nice to have that option uh, to oh. pick between days. Yeah, and, it, and it's a, you know, as far as, uh, you know, recruiting new hunters and, and things like that it's it's a big deal with with kids too uh, you know because they they're in school younger kids you can they can only get out on the weekends typically um and, and a lot of times saturdays are tied up with with sports and other activities it gives them a little bit of uh, some flexibility there i know one of the one of the big issues i know you mentioned the um uh like with the farm bureau and the trespassing concerns and things like that one of the one of the main issues was um, some of those trespassing concerns. And I know when it was passed in Ohio, that's when uh, there's some trespassing laws and things uh, were changed. And so we've got some some higher penalties and had to kind of tighten up those trespassing laws and things like that to kind of to, to kind of smooth things over with some of the landowners and, and Farm Bureau and things like that. And I think that's part of that's some of the discussion that's going on in Pennsylvania right now, too, I think. Yeah, that, that's a big uh, issue that the Farm Bureau seems to bring up in the, um, the Keystone Trails Association also bringing yeah. up a lot of a lot of issues for their 
uh, hikers that utilize trails on like our state game lands and uh, places like that. But, um, you know, if they walk out on those trails on a Thursday uh, and it's hunting season, you know, it would be no different. Uh, right. We've been pretty fortunate to not have very many uh, hunter issues, uh, you know, as far as uh, accidental shootings or anything like that. So, um, you know, it mm-hmm. it's not an argument that I necessarily even try to entertain a whole lot. And uh, the, 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 the statistics on, on, you know, where and, and how those things happen don't, don't bear out anything there. So. So one of the things, one of the ways we like to end our episode is sort of with uh, uh, some final thoughts, uh, some sort of hot takes. Uh, so do you have any uh, big final thoughts that, that you'd like to get out there for either hunters or non-hunters in regards to uh, your line of work and game wardens and whether that's interactions or uh, anything like that? Um, well, we, you know, just that. Um, I, I think people were, like you said, some of those TV shows, people were getting, becoming a little more aware of, um, you know, who we are, what we do. Um, um, as far as, you know, just let us do our job. I mean, most, most interactions with the public, I think we are, are pretty positive. This is a good time to take a quick break and mention one of our partners, SOS Gear. As you know, SOS Gear is a small business out of Montana who specializes in paracord products. Today, I want to highlight the rifle slings Chelsea makes. These things are tough. Available in 32 to 48 inch lengths, these slings are made to last. They come with Uncle Mike swivel attachments, which are also known for their durability. There are a wide range of colors to pick from, so you can make your own statement. Check out all the products she's made over at her Instagram, SOSGearMT, or her Twitter, at SOSGearMT. You can order a rifle sling of your own at SOSGearMT.com. That's SOSGearMT.com. So I guess I do have one more question for you. What would you, if you, if, if I forced you, because I'm doing it now, uh, to put a percentage on people who lie to you versus people who are truthful and upfront at the very beginning, where would you sort of, is it a 50-50 mix? Is it 60-40? Uh, what would you guess? At the beginning? Yeah. at the uh, From the very beginning when you very first start talking to them about an issue. Probably depends on on why you know a, a normal field check or something like that very very little um something where there's an issue with something uh where somebody's where they know they've done something they shouldn't have done or whatever um initially um i'd say the percentage is probably pretty high probably 80 initially anyway um you know not to say that you know a minute later they don't change their mind or change their story or something like that. But, um, and, and some of that isn't necessarily, you know, some of it is people trying to hide, hide things. Sometimes it's just nerves, you know, it's, it, and I've always, you know, when I would go to hunter education classes and things and, and, and even when I talk to, to new officers, one thing I, I try to, I try to tell them that, that they have to remember is, you know, when you're, 
when you are driving down the highway and you know you're doing the speed limit or just a little bit under, and you look over and you pass a state trooper, what's the first thing you do? You're, you, you, you slow down, you tense up, you stop breathing, and you get nervous for a second, even though you're not doing anything wrong. I'm sure there's a lot of people that when they see us step out of a truck in a uniform and see us walking over and they're in the middle of hunting that have that same same reaction. Um, so you have to kind of remember remember that too. Um, not it's not an everyday thing for for someone to, to interact with law enforcement. Uh, you know, it's not something that every time you go out hunting or fishing or something, you're not running into one of us. Um, so it, it's one of those things you have, I guess we have to remember um, that I try to remember that, uh, you know, that's, that's not a, for most people, it's not a common occurrence. Um, we do have repeat customers that are, I've, I've, I've been on a first name basis with, with violators too. So. Well, Brian, I appreciate you coming on uh, and talking with us. Uh, hopefully this gives uh, some of our listeners a little uh, insight into uh, what, Mm-hmm. game wardens do and and uh that they're not and, all bad people and that there's a human behind yeah. that yeah. uniform you <laughs> yeah. know i feel like both your line of work and our line of work there we we get looked at by our title as opposed to that we're just like anybody else you know? absolutely and we still live in the in the community i you know i i my my older son when he was I don't know, eight or nine years old, I took him to a soccer practice. You know, I, I go to soccer practice with my kids and I run into people that I've, that I've cited for things before. Um, I, I have a brand new neighbor across the road from me that, that I gave a ticket to about 10 years ago. And, um, but no, I mean, I could get along with him. Great. He was, it was a minor issue. He was wrong and you know, whatever you, you move on. Yeah. Oh, right, Brian, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, and, uh, Good luck out there. Uh, I'm sure you're probably right in the midst of uh, some spring turkey hunting out there in Ohio right now. Part of, yeah, part of the sea. We have a north and a south. Um, we have a little corner of the state that's a, a north zone um, that's not open until next Monday. Uh, so because we're a little bit further north, that starts a little bit later. But um, yeah, we have that, and you know we're we do fishing game both. So and I'm I'm right along Lake Erie, so um, we deal with. I've got steelhead in the streams, turkey season, you know, walleye, and and everything's going to start picking up on the lake real soon. Um, so there's there's never a shortage of things to do. I bet. Well, th- again, thank you for coming on, and uh, good luck the rest of the year. All right. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Brian. that'll do it for today's episode i really want to thank brian for coming on uh like i said in the intro talon and i were very excited uh to be able to have this conversation with brian and uh, it was definitely something that was a lot of fun for us uh we're definitely going to have him on again uh so that we can basically just have uh sort of a fireside chat story time uh just to hear some of the um, you know crazy stories that he has I'm, i'm sure there's a lot uh the one that he told uh you know is definitely something that um we didn't expect that's not the kind of story we expected to hear but it was definitely interesting to hear about his daily life and uh as far as working as a wildlife investigator and uh you know just 
realizing there is, you know, a person uh, behind that badge. <laughs> like I said in the intro, and like we talked about, you know, the, the uh, daily interactions that people have with game wardens and, and people in that line of work aren't always the most positive. So it was great to really see that this guy is just that. He, he's a guy, and he's just doing a job. Uh the big thing that Talon and I talked about after this, uh, you know, after we record this, uh, recorded this and everything is that, uh, you know, it, it's amazing how different Pennsylvania is from a lot of other states. Uh, in Pennsylvania, we have the DCNR, we have the Game Commission, we have the Fish Commission, and they all work as separate entities. Uh, just, you know, a couple hours over from us in Ohio, uh, you have Brian over there working uh, with the... Ohio Division of Wildlife, which includes fishing. Uh, so it's just interesting, that whole concept and how things work like that is uh, definitely different to uh, someone like Talon and I. Uh, it's not something we're necessarily used to. But uh, join us again next week. As always, please, please, please leave us a rating and a review. Uh, hopefully there's some extra people after last week's tremendous episode with, uh, Lindsay Thomas Jr. of the QDMA. So hopefully you stuck around and listened to a couple more episodes too. Uh, love to have you. If anyone has any ideas or anything that they would like to hear us talk about, please drop us an email at info.conservethewild at gmail.com. Uh, or you can always, uh, get after us on Twitter, uh, at conserve underscore wild or Instagram conserve the wild. Until next week, have a good one. Mm -hmm.